bringing you this crossover podcast of Clip City and the Forum Club. Game Time is your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Lakers and Clippers and all NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? By how much? Well, as much as 60%. (laughs) Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app. You can be next, and also discover the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. With the Lakers hosting the Utah Jazz on Friday, that's your next opportunity to see the Lakers. Hey, Yovan, when's your next opportunity to see the Clippers? Monday against the Hornets. Skip that one. <laughs> home again. Use game time to get your discounted tickets. It's a simple two-tap method, and you will be on your way. You may not need that's a discount a to get into the Clipper that's game cheap against one. the Hornets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to a crossover edition of the Forum Club and Club City. Live from the uh, Clippers coaches' locker room, deep yep. in the bowels of Staples Center, I'm Bill Orem, joined by Jovan Buha and a whole host of Lakers Clippers writers from The Athletic. Going to break down the, the Clippers' 112-102 win over the Lakers in the season opener, a significant game in the history of basketball in Los Angeles. Jovan, big win for the Clippers. What were your uh, biggest takeaways? Uh, I thought the way that the Clippers adjusted defensively to Anthony Davis, I thought at first... It kind of confirmed all of our thoughts that the, in this matchup, that was kind of going to be the one weakness was the, the Clippers had no way of stopping him. And really for the first three quarters, there were elements of that where I think he, he did score a majority of his 25 points through three. And, 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 you know, in the fourth quarter, it seemed like they kind of had figured him out. And then they were sending, um, you know, just swarming him in the paint, uh, you know, kind of rotating out the shooters and I thought you kind of saw some of the defensive potential that people have been talking about with this Clippers team. Uh, I thought Mo Harkless did a really good job. He ended up having, uh, let me see, uh, what, like four? Four, four seven four, for ten points. Well, he had, he had four steals and, and two blocks, and I thought he, he played the passing lanes really well. He, he got a few steals off entry passes to AD. Uh, then late in the fourth, Montrez Harold and Jermichael Green kind of bodied him up uh, pretty well one-on-one. So uh, I think... From a macro sense, obviously Kawhi looked really good. He had 30 points. But if you're the Clippers, I think you walk away kind of encouraged with how you defended AD down the stretch. And the amazing thing about that, Jovan, is you talk about the Clippers, you can go down the list of difference makers in this game. It was Patrick Beverly with his defense. Shamit hit big shots. Lou Will was obviously huge. Montrez, Jermichael Green hit big shots. Mo Harkless. And with the Lakers, that depth really only went about three players deep. I want to bring in Andy Kamenetsky oh. now. And, and get your thoughts kind of on, on what the Lakers look like and, and, and what you really take away from this. Is it, is it time to panic, or where are you on this? On this <laughs> I'm, I'm panicked, panic. Bill. After one game, I'm absolutely panicked. I, I mean, assure you that there are people who are panicking, so yeah, please talk them off the ledge. Well, Bill, how much time do you have? Because <laughs> you, were, you were doing enough panicking for all five of us. Uh, I'm not panicking. I am just acutely aware of, of the issues that this team is facing. Well, go ahead. In terms of the, the depth difference in, uh, between the benches, you really saw what the Lakers miss in Kyle Kuzma. And just the, the ability to have that type of scorer off the bench where 
defenses can fixate on him, or also too the the hopes that they have in Kuzma to build some versatility, provide some playmaking. And then you really didn't see that without Rajon Rondo out there. He wasn't available tonight. And Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, they're not playmakers. That's not what they can do. Um, and you saw that when, when Quinn Cook was serving as sort of a faux point guard, it wasn't working. And often Anthony Davis, you mentioned the way, uh, Yovan, the, the, the Clippers were looking to defend him. In some ways, I thought the Lakers did a good job of stopping Anthony Davis by running so much you know, isolation, so many post-ups. The well, offense what, got really stagnant. That's what happens when you when you do weird things like guard LeBron with Pat Beverly and stick Patrick Patterson on. That's what teams do is they start doing things that would be different. You stop running pick and rolls at the you know with LeBron and you well we have to go post up and so I, I think that was part of it is you create matchups that get teams to do things that aren't what they would otherwise have done. They didn't spend the preseason posting up Anthony Davis. So At the same time, I felt like they kind of went away from him toward the end of the game, which was a little odd to me because it did seem like you know, he, he did kind of rush things at times and, and take not the best shots, but there were plenty of times he got really deep in the post, and, and when he got the ball there, it was dunks, layups, fouls. Like uh, He did a really nice job getting the Clippers bigs in foul trouble. Uh, so that, to me, was a little... I also thought it was weird that JaVale McGee didn't play. Like I thought he was really effective. Especially in the beginning of the game, like he was the one guy who I thought was really imposing defensively. Uh, you know, didn't necessarily register a bunch of blocks, but he deterred a lot of shots. Uh, and you saw some bad Clippers turnovers early because of JaVale's length, and it was a little weird to me that he played fewer minutes than Dwight Howard. I don't know. I thought JaVale got worse as the game went along. I, I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. I mean, neither Dwight nor JaVale, I thought, had a particularly good game or really had much of a presence in yeah. this game, which limited Frank Vogel's options, I think, and... and Basically, like three quarters of the game through the game, they, like their third leading scorer until Danny Green went Goonie Bird in the third quarter. Their third leading scorer was Troy Daniels. Goonie Bird is that is that is that, is that, is that, that, is that a, scientific a scientific term? sports term? He had six points. It was yeah. AD LeBron and Troy Daniels was six points. It's not going to do it. Well, and I think there. and I think and I do think that this kind of underscores just how how tenuous this can be for the Lakers and how imperative it is that they have everyone available this season because you take out one one key player, in this case two, and I think we all agree that Rajon Rondo has has holes in his game, but his ability to, to create on offense, get in the paint, and dish the ball is something they do not have off the bench at all without him. And then well, and also, too, without Boogie. Yeah, I don't even think about him anymore. But, yeah, but, I, mean, yes. but I think they have been counting on him to be able to provide a lot of playmaking, yep. and maybe it alleviates the need for somebody like Rondo, more of that traditional point guard, with the flaws that you had alluded to in his game, without Boogie available, and you know tonight without Kuzma available, you really saw why they may need to put Rondo out there, whether it's you know in a vacuum a great idea or not. Lakers fans' worst nightmare tonight was saying they we really him. need Rajon Rondo they, they, out there. People hate him. Yeah. Like Lakers fans do not like. I, I would say I would I would say he, I would say he's a divisive player, but he seems to really unite the fan base. <laughs> no. One, no, there needs to be two sides in order to polarize. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got one for you guys, and and um, was LeBron good tonight? Eighteen points, nine rebounds, eight assists, five turnovers. Like, did you think that that was a locked-in effort from LeBron? I thought it was a locked-in effort. I don't think it was necessarily his best performance. 
Play well defensively. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had to be a defensive mode. Well, he also he sparked that third quarter rally where the Lakers um, went on a, I think it was a 13 point run um, at the end of the third quarter to tie the game up at 85. Yeah. That began with on the same possession, LeBron having a chase down block, then drawing a charge. Yeah. Oh, that was fire. That, that, was was, awesome. that what the kids are saying? Is it a cha- <laughs> question awesome. for the question for the group? Is it really a chase down block if the person you chased down was Landry Shamit? <laughs> I mean, in yeah. Shamit, like you saw, he looked over his shoulder. Yeah. He saw hey. LeBron coming and just went ahead and tried it anyway. Hey, hey, we all knew where this was going. It's year seventeen; they all count as chase down. I'm just saying, like he saw it, it was like oh, I'm just going to go ahead. He didn't even try to like shield the ball away. Just kind of like, like, come on, you can't do that, Landry Shamit. Okay, Brett Dawson, this is your first game, your first regular season game covering the Lakers and Clippers for the Athletic. You made the move from Oklahoma City. Um, fresh set of eyes here. Uh, who's winning the battle for L.A. in your mind? Well, the Lakers are always <laughs> winning the battle for L.A. There's no question about that. Look, you could hear the crowd. Kawhi Leonard, no player as good as Kawhi Leonard yeah. has ever been booed so loudly in a home debut in the history of of any sport at any level. It can't be possible. There's no way. The Lakers are always winning that battle. But the Clippers, you know, the Clippers made a big point pregame. The, the, the whole slogan for the season, L-A-R way, the, the pregame video had, uh, what was it, grit not glitz? Was that the... Grit not glam? Grit not glam. There was yeah. a lot of shot, subtle shots yeah. of the Lakers. Yeah. We not me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. But yeah. squad <laughs> over self, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, look, the, the, the Clippers won the night, certainly. The Lakers are always winning the battle. But, you know, it's funny, Bill, the exact opposite of what you just talked about with the Lakers. So much tenuousness, so many pieces that they need to have because their their margin for error is so, so low. Of all the guys on the floor tonight, Paul George might have had the best season of anybody last year. Certainly the best regular season. And the Clippers don't have that guy yet. Yeah. That, that might make a little difference. I mean, it's interesting. The the biggest difference maker missing from the game was Paul George. Right. But the Lakers missed Kyle Kuzma and Rajon Rondo significantly more. The Lakers were at a bigger disadvantage not having Kyle Kuzma and Rajon Rondo than the Clippers were by not having Paul George because they have just so many more weapons when when you look at that roster, really, 1 through 10. Doesn't that, you know, doesn't that kind of, I mean, obviously small sample size theater here, but like doesn't that kind of play into the basic reasons that more people think the Clippers have a chance yeah. to win a title than the Lakers do? No so question. There's a bit, you know... AD and LeBron are probably a little better than Paul George and Kawhi, probably, but maybe, maybe not, but but not by that much. And the rest of that roster, the Clippers just have more depth. You could also see a huge. I didn't mean to interrupt, but just a huge difference in the in the continuity. (laughs) Way too between the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, like you know the the Clippers. Jared Dudley talked about the Clippers are missing. You know, Paul George, who's obviously a huge piece of what they're going to be doing, but they're bringing back so many regulars who've played together before. Paul, they don't miss Paul George because they've never played with him. Like they don't. Yeah, it's not a missing piece, right? That's 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 an interesting way of looking at it, actually. Thank you. Right. Well, back to you. Top no, that. I was going to say, the, the, what's it. interesting to me is because Paul George wasn't here, wasn't playing, I thought maybe you'd see a Lakers team that's maybe a little closer to what its identity is going to be than the Clippers were. And yet, because I think of some of those continuity issues you mentioned, that wasn't the case at all. The Clippers look like an extension of what they were last year. They played much the same way. They're, they're just... Now they have Kawhi Leonard. And, so, and I don't think that's surprising. The kind right. of player Kawhi is, like, he, he struck me, especially with the, the, the configuration of the Clippers roster, it was going to be a very easy plug-and-play for him. Yo, my doc said before the game, if, if you could just take the team they had last year and add two pieces, 
it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to pick two better ones than the two they got. I I, I agree with that. I, I will say it was a little surprising just because they had looked so bad offensively in the preseason, and I think among the NBA teams uh, during the preseason they were twenty eighth out of thirty in offensive rating, and it was just even with Kawhi on the floor, they're actually worse offensively than than without him, and it just. You kind of saw that in the first five or six minutes where the Lakers got up 13-2. to two, The Clippers couldn't get a good look. Uh, it was a lot of just passes out of bounds, jump passes, uh, just you know, kind of rush shots. But I think that's where things kind of turned was, honestly, when Lou and Trez came in. I yeah. thought that was kind of what really stopped that run, uh, kind of swung the game. Was um, And that's something that I think is a good and bad thing. Uh, and I just kind of been talking about this recently, written about it, where... They have not looked good offensively unless those two have been on the court. And um, yeah, I think you kind of saw, like, tonight there, there was moments where Kawhi kind of did his thing and he had 30 points. So, um, I mean, like, he, <laughs> it was kind of, you know, like, he, he obviously was, was their best player, but I thought offensively they got the best looks when Lou and Trez were on the court. But you know what, like, Lou and Trez, they've got that chemistry that they've yeah. worked on for a couple years now. LeBron and Anthony Davis, during the preseason, had chemistry, yeah. yet in this game, they weren't really playing off each other. Like, this was like another way in which it felt like the Lakers kind of beat themselves. Like, there were, there were so many instances. That's what Avery so, Bradley said after the game. The, there were so many possessions the where they, they weren't really playing together. Even when they were on the court together, you know, you'd have either LeBron posting up or AD posting up. Like, the two of them in pick and roll make the Clippers stop that. They should run 40 of those a game. Did, did, did and, you guys hear about Doc's bet with the team? No. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Doc owes his players money because they did not give up a spin-out alley-oop to uh, Anthony Davis. And he said, from scouting it, they seemed like he was getting three or four of those a game. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I- I'd seen a few against the Warriors. And uh, so he had a bet with his team. And then Pat uh, deflected that one where it looked like Anthony was going to get it. And the Clippers bench went crazy, and it was kind of like, you know, all right, nice play. Maybe like LeBron and AD were getting a cut. So I maybe, like, <laughs> like, I was surprised by that too. That, that like, it, it seemed like they didn't use Anthony, even just you know, yeah, just the backside stuff. Like he should have been. I think that, I mean Dudley, Jared Dudley talked about it actually. Like I think the the Clippers did a good job of not showing the same look too many times, and they switched up stuff and they tried weird things and unexpected stuff. And Pat Beverly's just a, like a, a weird guy to play against. Period. Um, and I think he throws teams off their game. Uh, it's you know the Lakers have some stuff to kind of construct and figure out and work on. And the thing that struck out to me, they shot the ball fine actually. I mean you know Danny Green elevated their percentages, but Dudley hit both of his threes, and uh, Avery Bradley was two of five and all that. You know we were around forty percent. They only got to the line twenty one times, and with AD and LeBron, you should start. At twenty a game. I mean, that's. That I, I feel be like that was a little are. skewed in the first half too, where mo- you know mm-hmm. a good I yeah know, most 13, of it. 14, yeah. Uh, I can tell you that actually, fourteen of the fourteen. So they only got seven, to the line seven, seven times in the second half. That's not oh. that's not good. Yeah, crossover oh. podcasts where you get rudimentary, rudimentary math. math. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me take my phone. With me, Bill. Uh, <laughs> how'd you how'd you guys feel about the? Lakers defense because I felt like those first few minutes it was like holy crap this team is so damn big and anything within like 16 18 feet of the basket they were contesting they were making the Clippers alter shots throw you know jump passes but 
that kind of went away. And I don't know if it was because JaVale and Dwight didn't play that well or, or you know, kind of what happened. Yeah, the, but it seemed like that just went away by the second half. There were times when you really did at the beginning, early in the game, you thought, God, these guys are so damn long. How do you do anything? That hit-ahead pass that Anthony Davis goes up and gets and he kind of tips it over to JaVale McGee. It's like, how, like, what are you supposed to do? How do you throw a pass? And yet, yeah, I, I think once the Clippers settled in and they, I, I thought they did some, some good stuff to – Counteract some of the some of the length, and then as you mentioned, Dwight was not good. That's the takeaway. just like the, the, for me, the, the, in the I mean, the Lakers are going to be really good. They're going to yeah. win a lot yeah. of games, and come playoff time, these are the, I think the two yeah. best teams in the NBA, and and all that. But the, the, what's going to separate the Lakers and make it so they can get to their top end is how well the guys after LeBron and AD play. And tonight, you know, Danny Green didn't do anything in the first half. He was obviously amazing in the second. Um, but after that, they didn't get much. Kuzma obviously isn't playing. And then that sort of JaVale Howard, Javoward thing, like, they were bad. Like, they, they didn't have points. They didn't have rebounds. They didn't block shots. They didn't do much of anything. Uh, Watching Dwight chase Lou Williams around the perimeter is one of the saddest NBA things I've ever seen. Like, and I don't know what you're supposed to do there other than take the foul like you did. Well, but. offensively, but offensively, Dwight. What made Dwight effective offensively in the preseason was that he got the line yeah. something like 28 times in four games or five. You know, however many he played. And tonight they didn't put him on the line, and so he's not scoring a lot by himself. I mean, JaVale and Dwight had six shot attempts between them. I mean, they, they were both just non-factors on both sides of the ball. They, were, they really didn't affect the game much. And when those two aren't doing anything, that's a major advantage to the Clippers because if you're going to try to impose size, those two would actually be a part of that. If you remove them from the equation, you're basically just talking about what do you do against Anthony Davis. Right. And then I think the Lakers did some of the work for them. And, and I well, and I just tweeted out yesterday like the the real heights of of the Clippers. Like Zubats only played nine minutes. He's the only guy on the team that's above six ten. So, uh, it, especially it, in the I, era now of real measurements. Yeah, like we yeah, really no. know how tall so, these guys. So like are. Trez is six seven. Jermichael and and Pat Patterson. Trez six, Trez is six seven. Yeah, he, he went from six eight to six seven. Oh, I so thought he, he was taller. Okay. No, no. Um, I mean, with shoes. No, this is without shoes. Yeah, I mean, like, with but yeah, yeah, with, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so like, but then the other. But, guys but I think that's a, I think that's a, a really good point. Was that the, those guys were kind of neutralized, and with them off the court, and them going almost exclusively with AD at the five, like those last few minutes, it kind of allowed you know the Clippers were going a little bit bigger, and, and you know having Jermichael at the four, they actually maybe maybe had more size than the Lakers did at, at yeah. times. Um, so. What do you guys think about like the the kind of star battle? Because I, I thought, I mean, th- there's a lot to take away on both sides, but it was, I mean, it was one versus two. But I, I thought Kawhi clearly, after a few possessions of Pat trying to defend LeBron that didn't really go well, Kawhi took that challenge, and uh, it, it seemed like it was that that was kind of the fun part for me. It was like that's what made it feel like a playoff game was you had one superstar versus two superstars, all three were playing pretty well for most of the game. Um, what would you guys think of that kind of dynamic? I just like why was was hands down the most jaw dropping player on the floor. Like mm-hmm. the shots he was hitting. I mean, he was hitting he was hitting pull up twos and made them highlight plays. And the shots he was hitting over Contavious Caldwell Pope in that second quarter stretch. I mean, like KCP was playing like actually some pretty decent defense. I trying. Think. and like he was sticking with him. He was he was getting a hand right where you need a hand to be. And like 
and Kawhi just it was it was it was money every time. I mean that to me was unbelievable. But everybody had their moments. LeBron had the chase down block, took the charges, um, the dunk. The, 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 the dunk. Um, AD to me, I mean that 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 play that passing intercepted in in the on the break and then in one motion basically he goes from he goes from cornerback to quarterback in 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 the blink of an eye. I mean that was one that was probably the most athletic thing I saw the whole game and that was kind of my uh, yeah that's Anthony Davis moment for the night. Um, so they were all there, but to me Kawhi was the player who elevated and and seemed truly like I mean I came away from that game saying how can Kawhi not be the best player in the NBA. Mm. 30 points on just 19 shots, six rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. He had six turnovers, which obviously he's going right. to want to cut down on. Yeah. But LeBron had five himself. Right. I mean, if you're if you're looking to match them up head-to-head, Kawhi outplayed LeBron. I mean, it's one game, but Kawhi yeah. outplayed him. And AD. And AD, yes. I thought well. that AD and LeBron like, had a lot of moments where they were going for a spectacular play, and didn't finish and didn't weren't able to like finish it up and make it spectacular and that happened around the rim a lot. And I wondered how much of that was just them kind of being off their game or not gelling, like not really being on the same page yet on the court. I just don't think that, I just don't think the team they also really played had, a lot of minutes. Yeah. I mean that, that 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 to me was I yeah, that caught that caught my eye when it's 37, 36 for I mean listen, LeBron James is, is, is going to be 35 years old. Like, yeah. he is not going to get younger as this season progresses. None of us are. But it, it does <laughs> actually... Not even over the course of this podcast we're going to get younger. Interestingly enough, I Brett actually, is. I actually do get younger okay. every day. <laughs> Explains a lot. Um, I, I, just think, I just think that it's going to be interesting to watch that going forward because I don't think Frank Vogel can, can realistically and... Like he can't go to bed feeling good about himself at night, playing LeBron 36 minutes a night at this stage in his career, anticipating a somewhat lengthy playoff run, and knowing you need LeBron at, at full strength. Yeah, this is where you need yeah, and Kuzma. I forget where Kuzma back. I don't have the numbers. Yeah. In front, I mean, it's, but people are putting the, him out. Sorry, sorry, Brian, the, That is my biggest takeaway yeah. as well. It's like Kyle Kuzma is so important to this team, and we've talked about he's an imperfect player. There's things he needs to improve on, but just – the player who does the things he does, even if he doesn't even improve from I, last I, year. I've written a lot in this offseason about how Kyle Kuzma, in his own right, is the most critical piece for yeah. the Lakers. Like, in terms of meeting their, their, well, their highest ceiling right, possible. Things. The gap, the, the, something's got to fill that gap between LeBron and AD and the rest of the, of the roster. Uh, but, like, they were bad. It, not even just when LeBron and AD were off the floor, which you would kind of expect. They were bad when either one of them was off the floor. So... That's you know when you're trying to win the game and you're not really getting by with except for the third quarter rally to tie right. it at the end. But that was off the floor. So that was Danny Green, Green just getting incredibly hot. And I, listen, I'm not sure if you take okay if you have this team with just AD and no LeBron, I don't think this is a better roster than what Anthony Davis has had in in New Orleans. If you take if you have LeBron and you take Anthony Davis off the floor, I'm not sure this is a better roster talent wise than what the Lakers had last year. So they need both those guys on the floor. There was a to point be, that that's which, the whole key. There was a point at which Jared Dudley was the third best player on the floor for the Lakers. Yeah, that, that's. That, that, I know I disrespect know. to Jared Dudley, but I mean, that's. I think not, Jared Dudley would say that. That's not a thing that should happen in the NBA. So things I was thinking, obviously Kyle Kuzma, um, Rajon Rondo, also just as like flexibility option also uh, start thinking about Andre Iguodala uh, uh, you know, what, what what else is going to come in at some point this season I know it's the first game you guys but I'm looking at it, but it's like I do feel like this roster is 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 incomplete first game against the title favorite let's let's stress but the Lakers are supposed to be yeah. a a 
a hair or two below that, right? So it's like we're not talking about a team on the rise that runs into a buzzsaw right from, right from the jump. I mean, I think that there were a lot of people who, who thought, hey, no Paul George, the Lakers yeah. should, should, should be winning this. And I, I think that's flawed for reasons we've already gone over. But I do think that, that losing this game is not insignificant from a – it's certainly an optics standpoint. It's, whether it's, no, it's pretty – it's over. <laughs> Thank you for the, saying what I was the whole damn summing it up thing. for me. But it's also it's JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard play better. Get you need more out of Avery Bradley. Like some random dude in that mixture of bench players for the Lakers or supporting players for the Lakers is gonna have to be better than people expect. You know, Danny Green's not gonna give you twenty eight points a night. So like that they'll they'll find that balance, but obviously Kuzma coming back is when you can really tell what the top end of this team is. How well he plays will help determine that. And the Clippers just, they look good. The Clippers look really, really, there's a really good lead that a lot of people and a lot of degenerate gamblers in Vegas and whatnot are picking this team to win the championship. They look really good. You know, watching them in the very beginning, you see LeBron got to the rim a lot. You sort of started thinking, like, maybe they need one more rim protector. I still don't think that's a bad idea. I think if there's a guy out there, you know, come from Oklahoma City, if Nerlens Noel is on the market, wouldn't be a bad guy just to help out in that regard. But obviously, once you get Paul George, it's not like there's going to be a lot of free runs at the rim against this team. Yeah, I, I think we all cover these teams very closely, of course. But do you guys feel like you learned anything about this matchup in particular? If you know, I mean, they're going to play three more times before the playoffs if they meet in the playoffs. But like, was there anything that kind of surprised you about the actual like Lakers Clippers matchup? That Anthony Davis wasn't able to become more of a force than he was in this game because that was at least the thing to me that seemed like the Clippers would have the hardest time stopping. But what did uh, did AD play against the Clippers last year? Yeah, he he toasted what? them. Okay, uh, so I mean, but, but that was Brian Seymour right. hot. Okay, no, I'm just I, I, I'm I was correct. asking. Like and, I mean, and, Doc has uh, guarded Danilo Andy Gallinari. Davis, uh, oh, well. So I actually went back and like I I, yeah. I was gonna write this piece, but I have been I'm doing glad, the work. I'm glad I didn't because <laughs> I was gonna say like Zubats actually defend. I went back and watched Zubats, Trez, and Jermichael how they defended AD like every possession last season. And they all actually like defended him reasonably well um, for their kind of limitations physically. Uh, like two of them are small, and then the other one's slow. So <laughs> uh, we'll leave it to you, listener, to figure out who's who. <laughs> but but um, like I I thought you know they defended him kind of reason like you know Trez and Jamichael are going to body him. They're going to try to use their strength and get into his legs, and then. Zoo had the length. He, he, uh, you know, at the Lakers game uh, last season, he, he had a couple blocks against them. Um, but against the Clippers, he absolutely like for, for the most part they're sending Marcin Gortat, Boban, Danilo Gallinari. Like that just wasn't getting it done. Boban. Uh, I think now with their kind of defensive talent, like I thought, Mo Harkless did a really good job for being undersized against him, and, and you saw his like to me, he was kind of the one guy that he's really stood out. He was yeah. so good. I, I love them getting him, and I I hated I hated Portland losing him. I, I think that's a, a bigger blow to Portland than people talk about. He's really good. I, you know, obviously everybody's seen him a lot, but watching him in the playoffs last year. He just does a lot of that stuff you need a guy to do. He defended the Ron and AD. Yeah, it's like a culture was, team. It's, like, it, it's, it's, it's an overused word in sports. It's an overused word in business. But like this group has that. And it's because you know, you're know you a Patrick Beverly team and now a Kawhi Leonard team who fits right into that. And Paul George fits into that. And Mo Harkless fits into that. And like they're a colossal pain in the ass. Like There's nothing fun about playing the Clippers. And, you know, I, I, they're not going to – I don't think they'll be a number one seed because they're going to sit guys enough to make that. But, like, 
there's there's nothing fun about this. Like so, I mean, I, that to me is the big takeaway: is just every single night in games where they want to win or it's really important to them, they're going to have a really good chance because nobody's going to want to play them. I did feel like there was more effort. Like, there was more effort and pace from the Clippers and the Lakers felt kind of stagnant that they weren't, like, making the effort to go for well, balls and stuff. And that was actually something I had heard pregame uh, when I found out about Pat Patterson starting because it didn't really make sense to me. Like, watching him in scrimmages, he was always with the third-string guys. He was with the G League guys, the two-way guys. Like, we never saw him with the starting unit or the bench unit. And it kind of looked like he was going to be the 12th, 13th guy on this roster. So for him to start, I was like, you know, what the hell, like, why is he starting? And from the way it was kind of explained to me was that part of the Clippers' strategy was to load up the bench and have Jamichael and Mo coming off the bench to kind of run the Lakers off the court and really hammer their second unit. And I think you saw elements of that tonight where um, just kind of that group with Lou and Trez and then Jamichael and Mo, like, they were really effective together. I don't think it was effort. I just think they're, they know what they're doing together yeah. more than the Lakers do. It's a, yeah. it's a confidence and a certainty in what you're trying to get done and how that the Lakers don't have yet and will in a month. I thought month the effort both, both ways was pretty Built great. The, the energy was, was pretty awesome. I mean, it, was a, it did not feel like a first game of the season in any way, and it didn't feel like a traditional regular season game in any way, really. It felt like a, you know, Doc Rivers used the, the prize fight analogy, which is kind of overplayed, but it felt like something different in your standard NBA game because you just never hear that loud of crowd both ways. Yeah, what did you guys think of that? Fun. Uh, it was just, it was fun. It was intense. I mean, the, both of those teams really care, and they really. I, I think they both recognize the stakes, like beyond just the whole you know battle for LA crap. Like it's just the idea of okay, we recognize who we're playing. We recognize this is a team that we may be playing in the playoffs, maybe in the Western Conference Finals. Like we want to be setting a tone against this opponent. They're both thinking that it was obvious whether. Whether they'd want to admit it or not. And in terms of atmosphere, you just can't get this anywhere else, with the exception of New York, where you can have two teams that when they finally are both at the top of their game, they're both championship contenders, where you can have a game early in the season whenever, and the crowd can be split right down the middle. You're not going to have that. Like if last year, if the Raptors and Celtics played to start the year, you're not going to have 10,000 Celtics fans booing I, Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. If it, the Clippers so don't bizarre. petition the league to make sure they never have a home opener against the Lakers again, they'd be yeah. insane. I, because you cannot have your team being booed I will, by your home crowd, even if it's not really your home crowd. Inarguably the biggest debut of ever. franchise history. And it, it, I, I thought on that front, it was a damn good thing the Clippers won. Because for them, like the, 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 just again, the optics of getting booed in your home opener as you're turning the page into this great era, you're getting booed and you lose to the crosstown. Who are the who are the Clippers fans who sold their tickets off in the secondary market for this? Shame on them. I, I, well, <laughs> two, two thought. I, I was actually surprised at how many Laker fans were here, and I know it's it's been a thing for you know forever, basically, where it is a very Lakers heavy crowd. But I thought it was going to be a little different with. You know the dynamic of adding Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, uh, and but I mean honestly though, like I'm going to be interested to see how the crowd is throughout the season because you almost go down the road like it, it's like five to seven teams don't have giant fan bases in LA when they play the Clippers. So I'm going to be interested to see how much that changes because if they're playing the Warriors tonight, it easily could have been um, you know a similar type dynamic because you know you saw it in the playoffs and uh, like. The Clippers need to figure that out because they should not be having 
half the crowd or even 30% of it be an opponent? It was wild. I, the, the, it reminded me the most of like a, an NCAA tournament game maybe because that's where you can get a split crowd like this. But the moment of Kawhi's introduction is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. He was booed. It was crazy. And there were a lot of people cheering as well. It's just a lot of noise. I've got a video from that and I listened back to it. It's an incredible sound. Okay, guys, any final takeaways before we shut this podcast down? I'm so tired. It is late. It is, it is 1 a.m. at Staples Center. I've written four paragraphs. I'm going to go finish my story. I'm going to go edit this.